does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Joining us right now on the guest line, brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers, themowershop.com for all your snowblowers, commercial and residential mowers, plus service and power tools. Jeff Rabjohnspeaks.com. Rabbi, thanks for coming back on. We spoke to you last ahead of the Hoosiers trip to Iowa. Nothing has gone right since that road trip. Mike Woodson returns to Bloomington, Wisconsin, comes in Saturday afternoon. Everyone has an opinion about why this will continue to go south. Where should there be a bit of optimism for a potential turnaround for Mike Woodson? How can he get things right and in a hurry, Rabbi? Uh, right and in a hurry? Is that what you said? Yes. You, you said right and in a hurry. I'm, I'm making sure. You're I'm saying that's correct. not even feasible at this point. That's what I'm taking from this. Well, I'm. I, that's, I mean... Uh, let, 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 let's start with where things are, man. I mean, there are real questions at this point. Okay, yeah. You know, in Indiana, this is a team that was number ten in the country on November twenty eighth. A trendy pick to win the Big Ten, and they are now next to last in the fourteen team Big Ten with losses to Rutgers, got manhandled. Iowa blew a twenty one point lead. Northwestern fell, got behind by seventeen at home, and Penn State absolutely got dog walked last night. Michael Shrewsbury destroyed them. Brutal. With his three-point shooting, so I mean they they got a multitude of problems, and yeah, they got Race Thompson out. Yeah, they got Xavier Johnson out. That does not explain god awful defense, and that that defensive performance last night was just absolutely ridiculous. They gave up the school record eighteen threes, and the, the school record for Penn State, by the way. The, 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 they tied last night against Indiana. Yeah. They said against Mighty Mighty Winthrop. Okay, so, <laughs> the Big let, South let, let, bad boys. A little content <laughs> yeah. context here. Um, you know, Indiana's defensive efficiency against top 100 competition, which is a general metric nowadays for kind of like you know basically good teams, top <laughs> right teams college basketball teams that may be around yeah. in March. Yeah, Indiana ranks 181st. 181st. So all the defensive improvement they made last year, you know, it it is not shown up this year. And yeah, racing Xavier out, but again, that doesn't explain basic things. I mean, there, there was a point last last night where Indiana, uh, Penn State's got the ball in the wing. They got a shooter up top and a shooter opposite. And the guy on the wing starts to dribble toward the lane, and Indiana brings double team. The guy who was dribbling the ball had taken a grand total of four shots inside the arc all season. Okay, all season. Not per game. All season. <laughs> you, you got a three-point shooter to put the ball on the deck going toward your shot blocker, and Trace Jackson Davis is one of the better shot blockers in the country. You did your job on defense. You made a guy who's a good yeah. three-point shooter. Don't help. Start to start to take a, take a two, which he's not good at. It's probably going to be a contested two against a legit shot blocker. And then all of a sudden you bring help and you leave a three-point shooter wide open. I mean, Trevor Andershock did a great breakdown of it. It's up on Pease.com. We made it free for everybody. You know, it's got screenshots of, like, I use help to the nail. And the nail is a term for basically free throw line area. Right. Basically, it's called the nail because back in the day when you actually had boards and you had to hammer them in, there was a nail there. Yeah, okay? you go find the nail. That's oh. where you line up your right, right. foot. Yeah. That's how they painted the circle. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um 
But, yeah, so, I mean, the scheme didn't make any sense. And then Indiana gives up – Penn State's making 10.7 threes per game. Penn State makes nine in the first half. You think, okay, Indiana's going to go again and regroup, scrap all this helping, scrap all this pinching on the post. Didn't happen. No, 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 no. Penn State comes back and makes another nine threes. And there was, there was another sequence where Indiana kept bringing double teams down. They were double, double teaming Keba. Kevin's averaging 4.5 points per game. I think Trace Jackson Davis can handle him by himself. You know, it was just, it, it made no sense. I, you know, and, and it happened through, you know, eight TV timeouts through a halftime. And you just look at it and you go, this doesn't make any sense. So they definitely have defensive issues. You know, um, they are having some struggles scoring as well. But I think the defense is front burner. You know, in their last five games against Power 5 opponents, they've given up 89, 84, 91, 84, and 85 points. And one of those terrible scores was against a Northwestern team that was averaging high 60s. So Indiana's got a lot that they have to figure out on defense right now. Jeff, uh, Charlie mentioned that towards the end of last season, they kind of brought it together and had a strong finish do you think that's even possible with this team I mean let's say the injuries don't happen maybe they're in a different situation but this this current stretch of play doesn't have anything to do with injuries this has to do with mindset and and whether it's the coaches issues or the players issues somebody's not got the right mindset and it's all of them uh do you think that there's a, a like a coaching style that Wood, Woodson has it's like you know what he's going to turn the corner with this group and he's going to get them on the same page I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think that is the question. Um, you know, because when, when, you know, they're sitting there after they beat Carolina on November 30th, and, and they're 7-0, and they got two really good wins. You know, they beat Xavier at Xavier. Xavier's now ranked in the top 20. That was a good win. Beat Carolina. Carolina's a little down. You still beat Carolina. Good win. They go out to Rutgers and just get, I mean, they just get manhandled. Okay. Did, was that a physical battle you weren't ready for? Whatever. Let's see what's next. It was Arizona and Kansas. Don't really play well in either one of them. Um, but Arizona and Kansas both, you look at and you go, yeah, Final Four contender probably. Whether they get there or not, who knows. So it's kind of like, yeah, kind of see. But these last three, Iowa, Northwestern, Penn State, you look at IU's roster, even with the injuries, you look at the rosters for Iowa, Northwestern, and Penn State, Indiana should have won at least a couple of those games. No question. Absolutely should have beaten Northwestern home. No question they should have beaten Northwestern home. And when you're up 21 against Iowa, you know, play good defense, play smart offense. Don't turn it over. Jack, well, and don't jack up quick twos early in the shot clock. That doesn't make any sense. You know, that goes against every analytic that's been out there for 15 years. So, I don't know. I think they're questions. You know, they're going to have to make some adjustments. Uh, They really are. And and then some real adjustments. Um, I I don't know that their offense um, being so dependent on Trace Jackson Davis, who obviously is playing through some pretty significant back pain. Um, He'll probably never admit it um, because he just doesn't make excuses. Uh, hell, he may he may yell at me for saying it on the radio. I don't know, but I no, know it's he been obvious. Significant back. And, and Jeff, he's played uh, he's played 111 out of the last 120 minutes. You're 0 and 3 yeah. with nothing to show for in those games. Your thoughts on how this situation's been managed? It's still early January. If Trace Jackson Davis is somewhat for some reason sidelined for a significant amount of time, then the season officially is over. How do you think oh, this yeah. situation's been handled these past three games, knowing that we heard it from Mike Woodson. He didn't do anything contact-related over the 13-day break over the holidays. 
Of course, yeah. Trace Jackson Davis isn't going to sub himself out, but how do you view that? Just the fact that he's remained on the floor to this extent. Yeah, I mean, if it's not risk, if there's no risk of actual injury, then it, then it's a little bit up to the player. Can he play? Right. You know, it's that old thing: Are you injured or are you hurt? Right. And if, and if, if, if there's no risk of injury, this is a guy basically bringing a warrior mentality, which he is. I had a had a. Uh, an assistant coach who has played against IU recently text me and say, that guy is one bad bleep. Yep. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, you have no idea how much pain he's playing through. He's like, if my kids were half that tough, I'd be unbeaten right now. Hmm. Um, so, you know, I, th- I think, you know, if the kids, if the kid can play, you let him play, you know, you obviously listen to Tim Garl and Dr. Rink as far as, is this okay? But if it's okay, you let him play. Um, but, you know, as far as where things are right now, I mean, we're a quarter of the way through the Big Ten seasons. You kind of look at it like, you know, if the Big Ten season was a 12-round heavyweight fight, right. the first three rounds are complete, and Indiana got knocked on the canvas several times. Indiana's going to have to figure out how to, how to, how to counterpunch. They're going to have to figure out offensively it can't be so heavily dependent upon Trace post-scoring. It can't be so heavily dependent upon Jalen Hood-Jafino making plays, even though he's, he's had some terrific games. You know, first IU freshman, or only IU freshman, other than Eric Gordon or Romeo Langford, two NBA lottery picks, you know, to score 20 more points his first Big Ten game, had a 33-point game. You know, it wasn't great last night. He's not overall, the problem. He's, really well he's not the first. problem. Yeah. But you got you got to figure out ways to get points from other guys. Um, you got to get Tamar Bates going. Um, you got to find some way to get Miller Cop going if you're going to start him. I mean, you know, Miller Cops, he's a better defender than a lot of people give himself credit for. Give give him credit for, but he's not a, he's not really an impact defender. But if he's not out there making threes, you kind of look at it and go, what's he doing out there offensively? Right. You got to find something from him. You got to find something from Bates. You got double figures from Galloway last night, and that's probably you know w- what you hope for from him. But you got to get some other guys going. And if you're really going to struggle to score, um, and I know they got 83 against Northwestern. I know they got 89 against Iowa. But you know everybody got excited. They scored 89 at Iowa. Well, you know Eastern Illinois scored 93. <laughs> right, and that Northwestern score was Northwestern score is inflated because of that run in the final minute yeah. 10. Northwestern was up 17. That was cosmetically close at the end. Indiana is not. Indiana is scoring because either Trace Jackson Davis or Jalen Hutchfino makes a number of impressive individual plays. Indiana needs more points from scheme more than just players going out and making plays. That's what Indiana needs on offense right now. It's a two-man team. It's tough to win in the MAC with a two-man team, Scott. Yeah, not to belabor the point, but you know Charlie mentioned how many many minutes this guy's playing. Trace Jackson. Take him off the court once in a while. Otherwise, you're whipping this horse into the ground. He's tough, yeah, but tough doesn't mean that he's going to be healthy at the end of the season. You keep playing him 38 minutes a game. Uh, And the the only way that other players are going to score or get the idea they're going to have a chance to score is if you take that guy out of the game and give other players a chance to try to work on an offense without their main guy in in the lineup. Absolutely, and that's kind of what you hope – you know, if, if you're an Indiana fan, that's where you hope Malik Renault, the the freshman, comes into play. Obviously, he was very good when they played Xavier, and you kind of looked at it and went, okay, maybe he's 
going to be ready a little earlier than expected. But well, you got to give those guys good. a chance so you can develop them. You got freshmen that aren't playing right. at all. You got to give them a chance, and the only way to do that is to take your main guy out of the court. Fellas, if Mike not Woodson, now, when if Mike Woodson may be in a one month's time, that very well may be the conversation. Unless you think turn things around, Rabbi, quickly if you could forecast Wisconsin's visit Saturday afternoon. We said it earlier. If IU fans don't make that the toughest venue to play in Saturday, uh, it seems like this is pretty far fetched to think that IU is going to fix things against Greg Gard's team. Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously. Chucky Hepper is playing really well at guard. Um, they've got their their, their prototypical uh, post players who are just very fundamentally sound, very crafty. They do a great job of going inside and, and contacting you so that they can spin quickly left or right. They're not trying to overpower people. They're trying to make really quick, really precise moves, which they're good at. You know, Connor Siegen, uh Indiana All-Star up there, only a freshman. Um, you know, he's starting to shoot really well from three. And, you know, Wisconsin plays the same way Wisconsin has always played. <laughs> they're, they're, they're going to be really, really smart with what they do on offense. And defensively, they defend the post. They defend the arc. They try to bait opponents into taking long twos. And that was a trap that Indiana fell into, um, you know, when they blew that big lead at Wisconsin. Oh, we're up big. Oh, look, we're getting these 18-footers. Wisconsin was basically over there going – Yes, thank you. Take more 18-footers. You're open. Keep taking more. Keep taking more. And, you know, long twos, worst shots in basketball. IU just kept taking them. So you got to be smart and don't fall into the trap of, you know, some teams, I've even heard some players say afterwards, well, you know, we were taking the shots they were open. No kidding. Yeah, really? that, that was Why by design. That was by design. That's, that's what Bo Ryan wants you to think. You know, I mean, Bo Ryan probably read those quotes and went, hot dog, we got him, you know. <laughs> Jeff Rabjohns, close with this. What the heck happened to you at LaGuardia Airport last night? Please give us the quick spark notes. Oh my gosh! So FAA, you know, had the all every everything was delayed yesterday morning. So I'm getting ready to leave. It was Indy to LaGuardia to, to State College. So before I even get on the plane, I asked the lady, the Delta lady. No offense to Delta, it was everybody airline. Yeah. Is are are the connections there? Yes, we've just checked. Are you 100? percent Because I'm going to cover a basketball game, not to see family. If I don't get there, there's no point in getting on this plane. They, ain't, I can't call Penn State and be like, hey, you know what? I can't get there tomorrow. Move again. Uh, yeah. I promise you. So I get to LaGuardia, and it's like all flights state college canceled. Oh, dear. Like, okay, so I'm talking, talking to the desk agent. Is there anything you can do? Buddy, all, you know, typical New Yorker, you know, just buddy, all flights are canceled. Well, you know, I'm trying to get their buddy. All flights are canceled. Next in line, please. Okay, I'm done. So, watched the game in a hotel, hopped on Zoom for interviews, uh, managed to find a morning flight, got back. But, uh, yeah, so I hung out in LaGuardia last night. Bye. Oh, dear, Rab. Well, look, welcome back. Looking forward to reading your reaction Saturday. Wisconsin 3-1 and over its past four visits to Assembly Hall, IU. If Ohio State loses to Minnesota tonight, Minnesota and IU will be in the basement, tied at 1-4 and in Big Ten play. Just a turbulent start to Mike Woodson's second season back home. Rabbi, appreciate you as always. Please go read him at peaks.com. Have a great day, man. All right, take care. You guys have a good day. Bye. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Pacers, Knicks last night. Pacers made the late 90s teams proud. 
down a couple key pieces, specifically in that fourth quarter, trailed by as many as 25, cut it to two. You had everything you were looking for in terms of Rick Carlisle, effort, energy, in a tough environment against the Knicks with its big three on the floor, and you nearly stole one. That's where we bring in Mark Boyle. The guest line brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers, themowershop.com, all your snowblowers, commercial and residential mowers, plus service and power tools. Mark, we kind of have two stories leaving Madison Square Garden last night. A, this this huge comeback in the second half, but B, and most importantly, the health of Tyrese Halliburton. Pacers don't practice today. Have you learned anything that you can share on the Halliburton situation? Off topic, let me ask you this. Yes. I heard you do it. I've heard countless guys do it. When did we start referring to human beings as pieces? (laughs) (laughs) Mark, not all of us are as elegant and as free-flowing as you on a nightly basis on the play-by-play route, so I'm here for all criticism and critiques, and I have now jotted that down. That's a fair question. I have no answer for you. no, it's not a it's not a criticism, and you're not the only one to do it. But I'm just perplexed. This I, isn't chess. Not, this isn't I can chess, answer Charlie. that. I can answer that. I, the, the it's the mentality of people talking about it because we, as professional athletes, do get traded around like a piece to a puzzle mm. uh, or a pork belly, as you yes, if you will, from this, coming to America. So uh, it's the game of all when games. you're bought and sold and traded at the whim of a billionaire, <laughs> you do kind of end up being a piece. It takes some human out of the human being. I guess so. That is not the uh, intention. Yes, I don't. I don't have an update for you. There is no practice. They don't consult me. Sure. And I just wait. I just. I can tell you what I saw last night in the locker room. Yeah. What um, was that? Tyrese was using a crutch, one crutch, like a cane, sort of. Uh, he appeared to be in good spirits, uh, and I know they're going to do an MRI today. The same with Miles Turner and his back, and then they'll go from there. Uh, Rick said after the game. Uh, I inferred from Rick's comments after the game that they were reasonably optimistic, and here's why. He said, we'll see about, and I'm paraphrasing, we'll see about the weekend. If they mm-hmm. were fearsome that it was really serious, then I think they would have already ruled the weekend out, but they hadn't done that. Good. It's just speculation on my part. You know, he might be out for a while. He might not be out at all. Uh, we'll find out soon enough. It was an interesting play. Mark Boyle joining us on the Mower Shop, MowerShop.com. Uh, it looked like two different players stepped on his foot. He walks off. He doesn't have the shoe on. You know, we all know it's a bit awkward if you've ever played hoops and you don't have one shoe on. Back to the the fight that this team put together in the second half, Mark. What came together in crunch time to make this a game late? Well, let me ask you this, and I'll especially be interested in Mr. P's observations yes. because he's been in these positions. Uh, should we be elated about the comeback or annoyed by the horrible performance for the first two and a half quarters? <laughs> <laughs> you just answered a question with a question, and I heard that's rude when I was in elementary school. <laughs> uh, 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 well, I'm an inquisitive fellow. Uh, I'll answer that. Um, yeah. Me, I'm mad that we started out that way. You know, if I'm in the locker room at halftime, I'm going, what, what's going on? Guys, we've got to turn it around, turn it around. Yes, we weren't. We, we had Miles sit out. We don't know how early they had that warning, uh, but that was unexpected. 
uh, for, for at least the day before. There wasn't a plan yeah, to go on that they trip. They found and out not just before the game. So that was a, a shakeup, but you still got everybody else, and you come out and lay an egg in the first half. I, I texted Charlie right away. I was like, well, so much for the rivalry. Uh, but they showed fight in the second half. And then after the game, I'm really mad. I'm even more <laughs> angry because I'm sitting there going, where was that in the first half? So as a teammate, I'm I'm yelling at my teammates saying, hey, guys, we got to come out in the beginning of the game. Regardless of who's suiting up, we are all able to play this game. That's why we're here. You got to come out ready to play. You don't just wade into any NBA game. I don't care if it's January. And speak to that. Because, wait, I know you hate that phrase. Hold on. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a question. I know you better than that, Mark. Uh, what I was going to say is I would like you to – see if you or I would like to hear if you have any insight on the temperature of the team right now it's January job Scott rookies are tired (laughs) uh people are tired everyone's tired but it's it's that time of year where it's like what room am I in what hotel are we at what time zone (laughs) all that stuff uh you know oh and by the way we have a game tonight and tomorrow night in three different time zones you know just exaggerating there but it's that time of year what is the the team's temperature regarding that are the rookies fading or are we are the young guys holding their own or what's going on well they seem to be a very energetic group they seem to have plenty of enthusiasm i don't sense that they're tired or weary although how could you not be given the schedule that's all relative Uh, you know this situation last night i think is just one of those things it's become their trademark i'll throw some numbers out at you here the pacers are the lowest scoring team in the entire nba in the first quarter yeah they're the highest scoring team in the entire NBA in the fourth quarter, and they have won 11 games in which they trailed by 10 or more at one point or another, and that's the most in the league. So it's their M.O. to fall behind and then come back, and why it takes them so long to get started and why they're so uh, exceptional down the stretch, I don't know the answer to those things, but uh, it at the very least makes it interesting. But to answer your question, I don't see any sense of anything other than upbeat positivity they seem to really enjoy one another both on and off the floor Uh, you can tell by the way they play that they like playing with each other they share the ball they move the ball they're running more than they ever have they're using the three more than they ever have and I think that's not only a style of play that's become the norm in the NBA but I think Scott and I'm curious as to whether you would agree don't you think most players like playing that upbeat three-oriented game Absolutely. And you know, because you were here when I was here as a player, playing for Rick Carlisle in 2003 to 2005 was my least favorite part of my career <laughs> as a direct result of the playbook and, and walking it up. And we're going to grind it out. And we're going to grind it out on offense. We're going to grind it out on defense. We're going to shoot with about six to seven seconds left on the clock every possession. We're going to beat teams 80 to 78. And and that was never my style. I personally, I was always a read and run and react. And people kind of assumed just because of my size and my stature that I was one of those plotting you know centers that like just bring it down and throw it in the post I was always a runner I was a reader and reactor I always ran my from high school all the way through everywhere else in the NBA even except for here and so um, yeah, I think players love this style of basketball because every game is over 100 points now, where it was a rarity in, in the 90s for sure. And then in, in the late 90s and 2000s when I was in the league, um, you know, scoring 137 points was unheard of. And, you know, that was like the Phoenix Suns versus the, the Sacramento Kings maybe once in a while and the Dal- Dallas Mavericks versus the Sacramento Kings. The Wild Wild West. 
you know, but it wasn't happening in the East. And so I, I know the players love this up and down more. I love it because everybody, more players get to score. And you can see it. I, you know, bench players are scoring double digits on, on the regular. So, uh, I know the players enjoy it. Uh, what I want to, I want to ask you though, a follow up to that exact sentiment is how is Rick handling that lack of control? Because that was such a, a part of his coaching personality when I played for him. You've hit on something. You've hit on something there that's hardly ever been talked about, and I think is so important. Now the game's about the players, and so the players should be the center of attention. That's, I think, just natural. But you mentioned Rick when you played for him back in the O's. Rick came to the Pacers in the uh, 97-98 season as an assistant with Bird and then came back as the head coach and that's when you played for him. And then he went to Dallas and had great success. He won a championship. His record speaks for itself. He doesn't need anyone to validate him as a coach. But the thing I've been fascinated about watching him, Scott, you wouldn't believe how adaptable he is and how much he's changed. And I think you probably wouldn't be surprised on a general level because you know he's a bright guy. You oh, know he's, he's genius. inquisitive. Mm-hmm. He's, he's the kind of a guy uh, that is open to self-analysis. Uh, but you called him when you coached. He was a control guy. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a little story that I think will amuse you because I don't think I told this to Eddie Gill and he was flabbergasted because Eddie played at the same time you did. Yeah. So we hadn't traveled for uh, three years because of COVID. So this year we start traveling and we take our first exhibition trip and the first game is in Charlotte. It's a preseason game, so I go to the shoot around. Now. Tell me if you can imagine the old RC doing this. <laughs> we get, we get, we get brace the, yourselves. We get to the, get to the building, uh, and first of all, the whole, the whole environment is different than when you played. There's all kinds of people around now. The, the staffs are very large, and there's uh, people there that didn't even exist when you played. The staffs were much more streamlined, so it's a different environment to begin with. But we get in there, and the players start, you know, how they do at the start of the shoot around. They're chatting. They're, you know, loosening up a bit. Maybe a few guys are taking some shots. And one of the support people pulls out this big audio thing, which in my day we called a boom box. I don't know what they call it now. (laughs) Turned it on and started playing uh, some hip-hop and some rap at loud volume. Now, can you imagine the old RC allowing that? Wow. No, not at all. Get that out of here. And by the way, you go too. (laughs) That's that's my point. He's changed. He's adapted. Uh, he is good with this young generation of players. Just watch him during the game. Uh, when Halliburton's in there, when McConnell's in there, he's up. He's engaged, but he's not the control guy that he was uh, when you played here. He understands that the game is different. He told me you know, that he likes coaching this style of ball better than the old style. Hmm. So he's adapted, and he's a bright guy. He's an inquisitive guy. He's, his record speaks for itself. He's one of the most successful coaches of his generation, and I, his generation, and I think one of the reasons that's the case is because he is so adaptable and flexible now. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Yeah, and you said it. He went to Dallas and had some success with some of the greatest players. Some? Of, at least our generation. And and he had one of the greatest finals upsets of all time. I said he had success time. with yeah. some of the greatest players. Yes, yes. Uh, but he is... Uh, one of my favorite things about him, and, and and while I will honestly say I hated playing for him, 
I really liked him mm-hmm. as a person. I really wanted him to be more flexible and, and use the genius because when he's off, when he was off the court, he was hilarious. He was fun to be around, but he'd walk in the locker room. It was like, he'd put the blinders up and he was just like, well, we're going to grind it out. And he was like a robot. We call him robot Rick sometimes. And so I'm so happy to see, <laughs> cause you can see the joy in the players. You can see how they're enjoying embracing his freedom, uh, offense and giving them the players, the, the control on the floor. But is he, is he gone into any hotel lobby? and play the piano well. <laughs> I was waiting for that well, we haven't we haven't stayed in a hotel with a piano yet we don't stay at the Fister anymore that's uh, where I saw him do it uh, we stay at a different place in Milwaukee uh, <laughs> but it wouldn't it, it would not surprise me if, uh, if the opportunity presented itself if he did it again uh, I, I I don't know if you guys know this but uh, I've told this story before and it's it's not a secret it's actually public knowledge until this year uh, Pat Boylan and I always did a uh, media day a thing on the website where we brought players and coaches in and did sure. live interviews and so forth. And we had Rick on, uh, not this season, but last. And I had read that he had become a licensed pilot. So we're talking to him about it, and I asked him about it, and he said, well, his parents live in upstate New York. It's kind of hard to get to commercially. So he decided uh, to become a licensed pilot, right. which I thought was pretty cool. And so I said to him, that's uh, really interesting. So what, you took the lessons, and then and, and he also has his own plane. So you took the lessons, and you went out and bought the plane? And I know, Scott, this won't surprise you at all because of the quirkiness <laughs> of RC, but he said, no, no, I bought the plane first because I knew it would give me incentive to take the lessons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no surprise there. <laughs> Mark, not, not at all. Mark Boyle is here with us on the mower shop from Fisher's Hotline. Mark, appreciate this perspective on a coach who's certainly in the conversation uh, of Coach of the Year considering the out-of-the-blue season we're all enjoying. If you're just joining us, there is no injury update on Tyrese Halliburton. Left with a sore left knee, as Mark shared, he was using a one crutch to leave Madison Square Garden last night but appeared to be in good spirits. The hope is with the Hawks coming in Friday night and John Morant in Memphis due in Saturday, hopefully – if it's a couple games, that would be – it sounds like a good deal that many Pacer fans would take at this point after learning that it is a knee issue, not a foot issue. Mark, if there's one X factor for this team from a player perspective, who would that be through the first half of the season? Who who deserves more love than they've received so far for this, for this underdog team that's made it work? I don't know that there is one. I think everybody has gotten credit for what they've done. Mm-hmm. Now, there are guys that we didn't necessarily expect to contribute. Who would expect a second-round draft choice to become an immediate, not an immediate starter, but now he's an every-night starter. Yeah, and and uh, so that's a bit of a surprise, perhaps, especially to those of us that don't follow the semi-pro game. I'd never seen him play before he got here. Um uh, but he's gotten credit, I think. Mm-hmm. I think everybody's gotten the appropriate amount of credit. It's just that some guys have been surprisingly successful. You never know what a rookie's going to do. Now you have the sixth pick in the draft, and you certainly hope the guy can come in and tri- contribute. But guys have been drafted higher than that who didn't contribute at the level this guy is, and I'm talking now about Matherin. Sure. So uh, they nailed the draft, which was good. And now here's my new theory on trades. Every team <laughs> should want to trade with the Pacers, and here's why. The last two trades they made were both win-win. Yep. 
The trade with Sacramento was a win for the Pacers, and it was a win for the Kings, and a trade, the trade with Boston was a win for the Pacers, and it was a win for the Celtics. So I think everybody should now call the Pacers. <laughs> you know what? What can we do? Can we do business here? You guys are pretty successful traders, and your guys are helping these other teams. That's yeah. pretty cool. Speaking of which, do you have any insight or feelings on whether or not Miles Turner hmm. is maybe going to get traded? Hmm. I have no feelings on that at all. You know, that stuff doesn't interest me. I'm interested in who's here, and that's it. Uh, and even if I went down the office and stopped in and asked Kevin Pritchard, "Hey, what's going on? You're moving miles? <laughs> you think he'd tell me? No, he wouldn't. Just so I'm not going to waste my time. Either. No, I haven't heard anything except for the rumors. And by now, uh, this is one of the differences from the time I came in to now. There were always rumors, always, but they're they're being parceled out now in much more irresponsible fashion uh, with the advent of social media Correct. and Twitter and all of that stuff. Uh, I, I believe it when I see it. Unless somebody really reliable says something. For example, if Adrian Wojnarowski says something, I, I consider that to be a good source. <laughs> well, it gives you know, us something to talk about. You know, we got to yeah, fill up the time, Mark. It's well, Charlie and I don't get along. Thing. That's why we call you to come in and talk. Well, Charlie and I just that's, can't stand. It's been a huge other. help, Mark. Thank yeah. you. That's <laughs> the other thing. When I when I worked in New York at WFAN, we were the only all sports radio station in the country. <laughs> We were the first one. And so we had to fill 24 hours, but nobody else did. And so there was no need for this hyper sensitivity in terms of, man, if I don't throw something out there today, then my boss is going to be mad and the people aren't going to listen. And uh, it's it's sort of a chicken and egg thing. I agree. And, and so all of these rumors should be taken with a grain of salt. Uh, I consider Kevin Pritchard and Chad and Kelly in that front office to be very sharp and I assume they're doing this. This is what I would do if I ran a front office. You know how to reach me. I don't care if LeBron James is on my team. Every single one of my guys is available. <laughs> you got to call and convince me that I'm going to be better off doing business with you. You're foolish if you're not open to trading anyone, and you are stupid if you're opposed to trading players. I think you need to be open-minded. Uh, they're doing very well, so I don't know if that's affected the way they think about trades. I don't know how they were thinking about it to begin with. But, Scott, don't you think that you should be you should be willing to trade every player on your team if you get the right opportunity? Absolutely. And the only reason that we're talking about this is because the last-minute back spasms and the rumors going on at the same time kind of leads you to believe, well, maybe we don't want him on the court to get hurt so that we can't trade him. That's and, the only reason we're talking about And that about brings today. this conversation I, uh, full circle. I can, <laughs> I can tell you this. I can tell you this. I, I spoke to Miles after the game briefly, uh, and I was in the locker room and, and overheard some snippets of conversation. That was a legitimate injury. Do not uh, stress over that. That doesn't mean anything in terms of whether he'll be traded or not. That's a separate issue. But rest assured, that was a legitimate injury. And that brings this full circle because Rick Carlisle opened unprovoked saying apparently Twitter – uh, is, you know, conspiracies <laughs> everywhere. Miles Turner is to be traded because of this last-minute scratch. He won't be traded, and Rick now for a second time has gone out of his way to say, I have no interest in trading Miles Turner. Surely he doesn't. Why Why hamper the progress of this young, exciting team? Mark Boyle, appreciate you. We'll see you Friday night against the Hawks, and then for who, for my money, is the most electrifying player potentially in the backcourt in the NBA right now, John Moran. It will be a fun weekend at the Fieldhouse. We're looking forward to it, Mark. Thank you. 
My pleasure, anytime. And is this appearance on the radio station, Mr. P, your latest venture? Are you interested in becoming a full-time broadcaster <laughs> now? Or, uh, you, were doing the, you were doing the real estate. You know, you, uh, for those that don't know, I've known Scott Pollard for... Um, Too long. When did you come? 2003. 2003. 2003. Okay, so that's over 20, almost 20 years. And so I've come to know him as a player and away from the game. Uh, very interesting, eclectic guy, quirky. One of the reasons we get along is because we're both far outside the norm. And I know you to have interest in a lot of different areas. So what have you to say about this? Are you <laughs> well, broadcasting? I have, I have to say that uh, I'll be on the air tomorrow. Uh, yeah. And beyond that, uh, there is a, a very big question mark, and I will not negotiate with terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> Mark well, Boyle, you're talking about management, and not me. But thanks. Mark, Mark Boyle, the Adrian Wojnarowski of local journalism <laughs> in Indianapolis. Mark, appreciate you. Have a great off day. Well deserved. Glad to see the team uh, made it back from Madison Square Garden. Mark Boyle, normal is boring for both you and Mark Boyle, Scott. I, yep. I think we can all agree to. That. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back to The Fan. Charlie Clifford of Wish TV. Scott Pollard is in here right now. We need to get into the Colts coaching search. We've continued to monitor who the candidates are going to be, who are the long shots, and then Jim Harbaugh clearly remaining the favorite, unless we're told otherwise. Right now, joining us from Altitude TV, he is the go-to guy when it comes to Denver sports. Vic Lombardi on the mower shop from Fisher's Hotline. Vic, thanks for hopping on under short notice. We have a candidate here in Indy today that we're trying to learn more about. Please Give us the full story on this young, impressive defensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos. Absolutely brilliant mind. He really is. Everybody who comes across him, anybody who meets him in person, they walk away with the same mentality. This kid is special. And I call him a kid because he's young, but bottom line is he ran a defense here in Denver that basically uh, played with one arm tied behind its back all season <laughs> long. The offense was miserable. And the defense carried most of the load. And, you know, both sides of the ball had injuries, but the defense never used those injuries as an excuse. Uh, Jiro Evero is everything you can ask for. Um, Now, as a coordinator, he was great. You never know what happens when you take that next step as a head coach. It's a different job. It requires different services, different responsibilities. So I'm not going to tell you right now he's going to make a great head coach. I can tell you he's a brilliant mind and a great coordinator. Is he a good fit, though, Matt, for a team? Uh, for, oh, sorry, Vic. Uh, is he a good fit for a team here in Indianapolis that is looking to get another quarterback and they, they pride themselves on scoring a lot of points? Mm-hmm. And typically defensive-minded coaches don't are, are not offensive-minded coaches also. Well, uh, the Denver Broncos hired an offensive-minded coach who called the plays, and he averaged the fewest points in Broncos history and the fewest in the NFL this season. So (laughs) having an offensive-minded coach doesn't always get you offense. I think having coaches uh, conduct that side of the ball is plenty. I mean, listen, you just – I mean, what defensive-minded coach would not want to score points? It's going to make his defense better. 
So I don't think you should worry much about that. I the, the, the concern with Evero is just never having done it before, never having run his own shop before. Like sure. any new coach, you got to go in with that notion. But I, you know, I've never been big on oh, this guy's a defensive coach or this guy's an offensive coach. Some of the greatest defensive-minded coaches in the history have had great offenses because they let their coaches run the offense. That's yeah, why. stay out of the way. Vic Lombardi, Altitude TV out west in Denver, joining us. Vic. It was painful in Indianapolis. It was painful in Denver. Are you willing to make an argument right now of who had it worse this season? Because really, the last three weeks of the year, we were like, oh gosh. We laughed about it on Thursday Night Football, about how ugly that thing was. Who do you think had it tougher this season? Both coaches gone. You could say, all right, maybe Denver has a plan going forward at quarterback. Break that one down for me. Well, the tiebreaker is pretty simple. The Colts played the Broncos this season, correct? <laughs> yes. Who, who, who won that game? And is that a good thing that the Colts won? Yeah, see, the Broncos had it worse. See, that's it. That's all you need to know. The Broncos are far worse. Hang on, but I mean, Seattle's got that third pick now, and that could be a major hindrance for Chris Ballard here if if uh, Houston goes with the quarterback, the Colts can't trade up to one, and then Pete Carroll says, guess what? I need a long-term plan for Geno Smith. Colts, you're screwed. You get the third-best quarterback. That game could have just just changed the trajectory of the next 10 years, Vic, in Indianapolis. Hold on a second. You just used the sentence, the, the Colts have the third pick, correct? The Colts the have the fourth pick. Fourth pick. pick. All right, whatever. The Broncos pick is Seattle's. They don't even have their own damn pick until late in the 20s because they gave it away. So whatever scenario you present for the Colts, and I get it, you didn't meet expectations, and this is the year that the Colts are supposed to be that that team that surprises, and it didn't work out, I get it. For all of that crying in Indianapolis, the tears are much larger in Denver. This is an organization that uh, has gone through seven years of pure misery. Uh, Mm -hmm. No playoffs after a Super Bowl. It's been really bad. And, And Russell Wilson was supposed to revive everything. Instead of reviving they decayed. So I I don't know where to go with this one. I, at least in Indy, you guys have a place to go. You have a fifth, fourth pick, whatever the hell it is. Denver doesn't even have one of those. Hey, Vic, I feel your pain. My wife is from there and a lifelong Denver Broncos fan, so I've been living that pain in my own household. Sure, sure. And and it's you know it's something that Broncos fans, you got to understand this franchise, too. They, they, they've had season tickets sold out since 1960, so – there's no such thing as getting season tickets to a Broncos game. And this year, for the first time in a long time, I went to games, there's 18,000, 20,000 empty seats. Yeah. They were sold. I remember seeing those screenshots, Vic. It wasn't pretty. It Doesn't wasn't pretty. Here. Doesn't happen. All right. Vic Lombardi here on the Motor Shop from Fisher's Hotline. Uh, again, young defensive coordinator from Denver interviewing today. Ben Johnson, Lions OC, coming in Friday. Vic, I've gotten to know Joe Ellis a little bit. Big fan of what he was able to do for that organization. New ownership group, however, is in there. Peyton Manning still out there. Of course, Peyton's future will always be a major talker here in the Circle City. How much have you seen of Peyton lately? And give me your crystal ball. What's going to go on with Manning? The Manning cast has been a hit. Omaha Productions is killing it. What do you think is going to be next for Peyton Manning long-term? You know, we see a lot of Peyton in and around town. He's involved in a lot of different charities. and I actually see him on the golf course on occasion in the summers. Lovely. Um, 
I, I don't I don't think Peyton has like a master plan. I really don't. Everything he touches turns to gold. It really does. He he's so good, so adept, so detailed. And I think when you're wired that way, whatever you do touch works because he doesn't let any stone unturned, and that's the way he's always been. You guys know that. I mean, anybody in Indy knows how he's wired. Sure. Uh, I, I, we a lot of people suspected. Well, he's certainly going to be a part of the Denver Broncos moving forward. Well, how? In what capacity? He, he's not part of the ownership group. He's not going to coach. The only thing he would do is run the team as a GM, and I'm not even sure he wants to do that. That's a lot of time. So I, I think Peyton Manning has a clean slate as far as his future is concerned, and I have no idea which way he's going to go. What would you like to see him do, Vic Lombardi? What would you enjoy most from – you're a content creator. No one gets more laughs out of the Denver fan base than you. What do you think yeah. would – or is it already happened with, with the Monday Night Football stuff? Yeah, I mean, he's inventing content we never know existed. Like the Manicast, <laughs> you know, we didn't do that stuff willingly and watch it willingly. Now now we watch all the time. There's a lot of things he's doing that in, in our content world, we nobody ever did it as well as Peyton. Like, people try that Manicast thing with other people, but nobody watches. No, right. They watch Peyton and Eli, though. It has to be certain people. So uh, he has that rare ability to connect, even as a superstar, you know, long-term, what I can see Peyton Manning doing, and, I, and when I say long-term, I mean 10 years, 20 years down the line. When I saw him at the Hall of Fame, yep. we attended his Hall of Fame ceremony, and he gave that speech. I looked at him and I said, commissioner. that right there is the future commissioner of commissioner. the National Football Boom. Yep. It, it, if you read between the lines of that speech, it's so funny you said that, Vic, because we all reacted the same way. Oh, gosh. Goodell, whenever that becomes time, that felt very much like a commissioner speak. Uh, Vic, I know you're in the car, so we're going to get you out of here quickly. If you were to make a decision today, does Evero, again, the young defensive coordinator from the Broncos who led a top five unit this season despite all the struggles for Russell Wilson's first year, former teammate, roommate of Nathaniel Hackett at Cal, that's how this thing came together. Is he a head coach in this cycle how would you put those odds this afternoon, Vic? Um, I would say they're 50-50. It all depends on the relationship he forms with whatever prospective owner interviews him. And if they you know, if they see chemistry there, it, it always comes down to that. If, if there's an owner that sees a spark, then boom. But it's not going to happen in Denver because Denver's last three coaches were first-time head coaches. Yeah, it's time right? for and some stability. Formula, yeah, what about Frank over. Reich out in Denver, Vic? What about Frank Reich? Well, you know, Frank Reich's name was brought up. It was brought up, but I, it never really went anywhere. I think I think Denver's going to aim, like, big. They they want a Harbaugh or a Peyton or mm-hmm. possibly a Dan Quinn. I think they're going to try and go as big as they can. They need a bigger than – they need a personality that's going to come in here and tell Russ what to do without having to worry <laughs> about it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because that's a, that's a factor. When you're dealing with a, a big personality quarterback, sometimes coaches – uh, they'll cave, and I'm not saying that's what Nathaniel Hackett did, but you know who's Nathaniel Hackett compared to Russell Wilson? If Harbaugh comes in and Harbaugh says we're doing it this way, that's just the way it's going to be. Vic, getting you out of here on this one, uh, Scott Pollard sitting to my right. Do you have a favorite Kings Nuggets memory, early 2000s? What can you pull out of the Lombardi archive for us this afternoon? Oh, God. Early 2000s Kings Nuggets. Did you ever go up against the great Nikola Skeetishvili? <laughs> Skeets! <laughs>
you know my favorite Nikola Skidishvili story? He gets drafted by the Nuggets, man, and he, he barely spoke English. And we did this story. We, we, we jumped in his car and we said, hey, uh, let's go for a ride and I'll interview while we're driving around town. So he gets in the driver's seat. I'm in the passenger. Our photographer's in the back. He backs out of his parking spot there at the facility and backs right into another car. <laughs> the cops show up, right, to file a report. He doesn't know if he has insurance. He doesn't know if he ever bought insurance. He doesn't have a driver's license. He has absolutely nothing. Something with this poor guy. He thinks he's going to jail. It was. I mean, it was sad to be honest with you. I felt so bad after that. Did that bit make air, Vic? Oh, yeah, we did the whole thing. Oh, we got to dig that up. Tell me that's on YouTube. At Vic Lombardi on Twitter, Altitude TV. Listen to him on 92.5 in Denver. It sounds like a similar story, Colts. You're trying to make a big swing hire for the Broncos. That's certainly what Jim Mercer is trying to do here. Vic, appreciate you hopping on on short notice. Thanks, Vic. Thank you.